Hi everyone, it's Ashley Patterson, Media Specialist 2 with the San Bernardino County Department of Behavioral Health. I'm so excited that we're back with brand new episodes of the Resilient and Real podcast. I'm also really excited to talk to today's guest. We have Kristen Mungal. She's a DBH Program Manager 1 for Clubhouse and Community Connection. Welcome to the podcast, Kristen. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm so, so excited. In fact, I was thinking about when I first started DBH and I did my first video here with the public relations team, you were actually the first person that I interviewed on a video. I had went to the clubhouse. And so I'm just so, so excited that you are here and you're our first guest for the new season. Oh, thank you. I remember that. You were so easy to talk to. So I'm glad you get to be the one doing it. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do for DBH? Sure. So like you said, I'm the program manager for our Clubhouse and Community Connections, which I'm sure we'll get into what exactly that means in a little bit. But I started with San Bernardino County DBH a little over 15 years ago. I came in as our volunteer services coordinator and I worked through various positions through, at the time, community outreach and education, was involved with MHSA when it first launched and that stakeholder process, even some of the innovations pilot projects. And I'm just currently here with Clubhouses was my dream to get into this program at some point. And now they are stuck with me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, 15 years. That's a long time. So congratulations. Thank you. What has wanted you to keep coming back to work all these years? That's a great question. I think, you know, ultimately the people that we serve are just really special people. Our communities, our consumers, our clients, they are just so resilient and they remind you what you're working towards. And they also remind you that every day the things you have to deal with are so small compared to what they have to deal with and what they trust you to help them through. And it's worth it. Oh, I love that. And for those who maybe aren't familiar with the clubhouses and what they are, can you talk a little bit about that and why they are an important part of our department? Sure. So clubhouses, they're peer-run centers for adults uh, managing their behavioral health. So basically what they do is the supports include things like peer-run groups. When I say peer-run, I basically mean the folks that come here to seek services. Those are our peers. Uh, They run groups, they plan social activities, we create opportunities to help connect folks to their community and other wellness services. So we have a great community connections team of employment support specialists, and they partner with consumers to find meaningful engagement in their community. So sometimes that's through volunteering, community service, maybe it's paid employment for some people, but essentially The clubhouses are run by peers in every way possible. We call them members because when you become part of the clubhouse, not only is the clubhouse here for you, but you're here for it and each other. So they hold elections every six months. That elected board works with staff to plan and approve all the activities, the goals, operations decisions. They even hire staff, which is one of my favorite parts of something that I've been able to implement while I've been here. And they operate off the same principles. So we have 10 locations throughout the county. Some are run by the county. Some are contracted out by our wonderful community contractors. But we operate off all the same principles and rules. The only difference is the nature of it being peer run means that each location functions kind of specific to the needs of that particular community within those principles. So the peers make the final call. 
and they create the space that works for them and what their needs are. And us as staff, we're here to support them through that process. We're here to kind of help them when they're in a place to maybe want to make decisions to seek other services. We can link them to those things. And in addition to being peer run, we're also peer staffed. So the core of our staffing model are peer and family advocates, which is our department's title for peer provider staff who have lived experience managing their own behavioral health or that of a loved one. And in addition, even if you're not a titled peer provider staff, 100% of Clubhouse staff identify as either a former or current consumer of mental health or substance use services or a primary caregiver. And that's very important to us that um, to our core, all of us here in a peer-run program identify as a type of peer as well. And that's really kind of the structure of the clubhouses. Yeah, and it sounds like it's just so important and just so incredible to be able to have peers who maybe understand what you may have gone through or what you may be going through, whatever you're experiencing in life. It just sounds so positive. It, we try. It, you know, it, one of the things that's great is that, you know, when we walk through those doors of the clubhouses, you come into a space where folks have maybe not been exactly where you've been, but they have been in that place. They've been in those places of uncertainty, of having a lot of needs that aren't met, or maybe even a place of hope that you're in a good space. And now you want to spread that hope to other people. And when you come in here, it is that safe space to start gathering your thoughts and making decisions on what's your best next steps and how to bring others along with you as well to know that, hey, if I was unhoused last year and I've achieved all of these things, now this person that walks in the door for the first time that's unhoused, I can go reach out to him and I can bring him along on that journey and help him use the same resources I used. It's really powerful and it's really amazing to watch people who still don't have a whole lot and they are giving back to other people um, in the process, which is just, it's a really amazing thing to be able to witness and support. I was just thinking about our event in May. We had the Meet the Artist event that was at the San Bernardino County Museum. Mm-hmm. And that was in honor of Mental Health Month. And I remember seeing Clubhouse members were there. They had submitted art and they seemed like they were just so happy to be there and to be a part of the event, to be a part of the community. And so many of them were so talented with their art (laughs) and they were all just so kind. It was just a really nice experience. You know, that's, I love that you saw that and that you felt that because that's, there's, you know, obviously a lot of stigma and there's some incorrect perceptions about individuals receiving mental health services or folks in recovery from substance use or folks that are unhoused, that we are these scary, mean, cutthroat people. And that's absolutely not true. Um, obviously if you get any of us in our darkest moments, we might not be proud of our behavior, but at the end of the day, uh, they are wonderful people that are doing their best to get through what they're going through and to come out the other end and still be someone that is supported and loving. And, you know, I love that you said they look like they're having fun because that's a part of the program that's very intentional and can have a huge impact on someone, um, celebrating culture, Um, coming together to celebrate and educate on needs of all of our populations that are underserved or inappropriately served and being with someone when they're seeing their community in a different way, kind of as an opportunity versus a burden, that there's an opportunity for joy out there and seeing things like a museum or 
a local ballpark, or we've had folks that have seen the ocean for the first time going to the clubhouse on an outing. And we create those moments that provide belonging and hope. And for some people, give you something to even want to stay in recovery for. And those things are just as important as kind of the the more serious types of activities and conversations we have. So I love that you brought that up and that you saw that in that particular outing. Yes, absolutely. And like you said, it is, it's very powerful. So I'm really glad that you're here today and that you get to share this with our listeners so that way they can be aware of these great services that the department provides and that you're a part of. It's so powerful to see these lives that are being changed. Can you share a story or maybe an experience that you've had within the clubhouses that just really sticks out to you? I think there's just, there's so many different stories that we get to see every day. We're so blessed and lucky that we get to see this part of the growth. In fact, we participate in um, crisis intervention training where we work with our amazing crisis intervention trainers at DBH to have conversations with local law enforcement about our experiences and our consumers' experiences and how to maybe work better as partners together. And it's really neat to be able to share with them some of those stories of hope and resilience so that they can see that we can get to that point because we get to see it every day. We're so lucky. I'm so lucky I get to see that. And it makes it so easy to believe in recovery, to believe in people and hope because I get to see people doing magical things. I've seen individuals just yesterday, we had someone who's unhoused and they were going into the food pantry and there was one can left and someone else walked in and he's like, Hey, there's a can in here. Do you want this? And the guy said, yes. And he just gave it to him. I mean, no questions asked. No, is there more? Just literally gave him the last can of food that was in that pantry instead of taking it for himself. Mm -hmm. We're really lucky that, you know, we're funded by Mental Health Services Act funding and we wouldn't be here without it. And I'm just so grateful for that funding because it allows us to do things in this unique way and provide this kind of open experience where we can make it whatever the participant needs it to look like. And that's what lets us be part of those moments, which is so special. We've had folks who have gone from coming into the clubhouse not speaking to a soul, walking in straight to have coffee and charge their phone. Don't really talk to any of us for months. And now a year later, they are elected to the board and planning activities for other people and Mm. spreading the word to people they meet in the street and even visiting their old encampments where they used to stay and bringing people back to the clubhouse with them to teach them to use the resources that they learned how to use. Peer support is magical. Like there's no other way to say it. It really does do amazing things that we as outside providers wouldn't have access to. So it gives us a chance. Mm -hmm. It gives us a chance to even earn the trust of those folks walking in the door to then start to see if there's other parts of the system that would be available to them that they would want to use. That's so important and so powerful. And I love that you mentioned reducing stigma. Yeah. And there's so much, I mean, not even just external stigma, but even on the other side, like for example, one of our really close community partners is um, in Fontana. We have a location in Fontana and we work with their coast team, which is a collaboration of Fontana PD, fire department, and a DBH social worker. And we see them on a weekly basis. They bring in folks that they meet on the street. We call them when we think they can help one of our people. And not only does it 
help with the stigma on our end, but it also helps our consumers see those first responders as helpers. When I know there's so much community conversations around concerns and areas we do need to improve, but they get an opportunity to see them in a different light than maybe they've seen on TV or they've experienced personally. And when those guys walk into the clubhouse, um, you know, a few years ago, the members would have scattered <laughs> when they saw an officer walk up. And now they're like, oh, they're bringing us someone else. Or, you know, the officer's here. He's going to tell us who needs help. Like, they really do see them as a welcome partner now. And we're changing even the stigma on the other end, too which can be really helpful when they're out in the community. I love the Coast team. I've actually worked with them before on a project and they're so great. And it's just so nice to see how collaborative our department is, whether it's with other county departments or agencies, whoever it may be, like we're just, we all have that common goal of helping people, helping enrich their lives and getting to hear the different stories and that collaborative process is just so awesome. So that's just really exciting. And I've also heard some new information lately about peer certification. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. So peer certification is something that was recently passed. There was a Senate Bill 803 in the state of California to join the other states in having a certified peer provider. So while we've had peer providers, you know, for a long time, we've had them since MHSA, first started, we didn't have them as a billable provider type in the Medi-Cal plan, in the state Medi-Cal plan. So they could bill, but they were billing under some different codes. But this legislation creates their own unique provider type with their own unique codes and really allows us to standardize that process across the state, which is really special. So I've been really lucky to be able to serve on the Stakeholder Advisory Council for the California Mental Health Services Authority to represent our region and to make sure we're implementing it in a way that makes sense. And that also stays really true to, I kind of shared with you all these magical things about peer support. We don't want to put that in too small of a box to where we take away some of those things that really make it powerful. So we're trying to walk that fine line of creating a position in a really big and complex system that can build and that can be in line with all the other providers that are out there billing, but that also still gives it the navigation and the room to do all of those unique things that they do. So it's been an interesting process, but we are moving along. We're in full implementation. We hope to have our first certified peers by the end of the year. You know, and you had asked kind of why do why do we have clubhouses? And I kind of told you what they do and, and some of the outcomes, but Again, we clubhouses are an international model, just in case anyone listening doesn't know. Uh, clubhouse is an international evidence-based model that's used all over the world. Here in San Bernardino County, we follow that model, but we've implemented it in a way that's specific to our region and really serves kind of three main functions. So the first is the model itself. So in and of itself, what I've been talking about, the opportunities to allow the members to attend to achieve their wellness goals. So evidence shows that being in peer-run environments, you know, can lead to better outcomes like increased hope, decreased substance use, reduction in hospitalization, even just an overall sense of community. So that's the main, you know, function. But in addition, we also are here to fill gaps. So one of the reasons that when Mental Health Services Act was passed, 
we decided to expand was because clubhouses are a really powerful way to fill potential gaps in the continuum of care. There are these key times where our consumers have to experience a wait time between transitions, right? So someone in transition age youth is aging out and they need to go into the adult system. You have maybe four weeks before your next appointment. You're on an eligibility waiting list for housing or benefits. Those are those key times when people can lose faith in the recovery efforts if they're not surrounded by a community who's encouraging them, who's providing a home base, who's helping them to work through those times of wait. And we need that sense of belonging and responsibility to those folks to have a place to maintain in between those times. So that's another role. And then the last one, and you kind of brought up a little bit about stigma and and change. We're really focused on making sure that we are a pathway to elevating the consumer voice. So we want our consumers to have input on everything we do, not just in Clubhouse, but in our entire system of care. Their voice needs to be the one shaping our programming, our evaluation, assessing our services, telling us what they need. Um, In fact, we're currently piloting a brand new evaluation effort. I mentioned clubhouses are international, but there's not an evaluation outcome measurement tool really that's standardized. So we came up with one working with our amazing research and evaluation team called our Peer Empowerment Evaluation. So this is an entire data metric that was designed for us by our consumers with RE. And this evaluation effort is going to be used to ensure that we're accountable to all the outcomes that the peers designed and decided was true to our service model, which is so exciting. So it's one of the first ones that I'm aware of that is completely peer designed, uh, peer delivered, peer evaluated. And that is going to be our primary outcomes metrics tool moving forward for all of our clubhouses. Yeah, I'm really glad that you've mentioned that because I think that shows how important it is to have the peers involved in the process, whether it's from start to finish, whatever it is, like having them involved is important. It is. And, you know, we're really lucky if you've only been in San Bernardino County, you could take for granted how amazing our community program planning process is here. We have so many opportunities for people to be part of the process and to give feedback to the system and hold us accountable to what we do. And it's really, you don't realize until you look at other spaces, how unique and and really special that is, that we've protected that community program planning process for over 15 years and made sure it continued. Many of us got into this field because of our own experiences with mental health or those of a family member And we have to remember how we wanted to be treated or how they wanted to be treated. And I'm just really proud to be part of a program and a county that offers so many ways to do that and make sure that that voice is in all of the design and delivery of our services. And I can hear it in your voice, the passion that you have for what you do. So that is just so awesome to hear. And so I'm wondering now for those who may be listening who are saying, I know somebody who would love to go to the clubhouse and participate, or maybe they themselves are interested in the clubhouse. What do they need to do now? What are their next steps? Actually, we try to make it as easy as possible. (laughs) Um, You can go to any clubhouse. If you go on the DBH website, you go to other supports and services, you'll see a listing of our clubhouses. 
You can go to any of those clubhouses any day of the week. I recommend you, if it's your first time, between nine to three. Um, some are open earlier, some later, but if you hit that window, all of them are open during that time and you just walk in. We have amazing peers, our staff. I can't say enough how special our staff is. Every single one, you know, you mentioned you hear the passion in my voice, but every single person that works in this program has that passion. They really do. And you walk into any door and they will welcome you and they will work with you. And you really will, you can take a tour, decide if you want to stay here. I mean, you have to make sure we're the right fit for you too. And you'll meet your peers. They'll, you know, kind of show you around. And from that point, it's all up to you. How little or how much you want to be involved is going to be your choice. So maybe you want to come at first and just get the lay of the land and hang out and drink some coffee and kind of figure out if this is the right space for you. Get comfortable. That's fine. Maybe you come in day one and you say, I want to run a group. I know how to crochet and I'm going to teach people how to crochet. Awesome. We're going to help you do that too. So it really is what you want it to be. And we will help you find your role in your space here. Because one of the great things about, you know, what Clubhouse is, is it's not just other people helping each other. You're helping yourself along the way as you have a belonging and a responsibility to everyone else in this space. And that gives us that sense of purpose and that sense of being needed, which a lot of people for a while, don't feel like they have anything to offer or to give. And let me tell you, you absolutely do. There is a need and a space and a role for anyone who wants to walk through these doors and we will help you find it because you have something special to give. You might not think that, but I promise you, you do. And we will help you find it. I love that. And can I just say, you are so motivating. (laughs) I feel like I need to call you like in the mornings and just get a little pep talk or something. (laughs) I try, but you know what? My whole team is like that. I will say we have a really special group of people that work with clubhouses and community connections. I'm just really thankful for not just being able to have the Mental Health Services Act funding, but all the stakeholder input and our community partners Because if they weren't saying that this worked, if they weren't saying they wanted them, we wouldn't keep adding locations. We don't just decide to do that. It has to come from them. And most important, the consumers, the members that show up every day, not only they're trusting us to support them, but they're supporting and lifting up each other. And that I don't take that for granted. And I just hope that we continue every day to keep earning that trust because they deserve it. And we want to keep getting it done. So just thank you for highlighting what we do. And thank you for all your efforts to make sure that our communities know about the amazing programs and services that we have in this county so that they can take advantage of it. And I really appreciate what public relations does in our department to just ensure that we try to reach as many folks as possible. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, before I let you go, we do want to do something a little different this season on the podcast. Normally, we have a DBH staff member who will share their self-care story at the end of an episode. But this time, we thought it might be great to have our main guests share what they do for self-care. So is there anything that you do to practice self-care that you would like to share? I will have to just be real honest with anyone that's listening to this. I am not great at self-care. I just full transparency. I'm working on it. I really am. I was actually given a tip by Cassania Thomas, a former director at DBH, 
I had asked her one time, how do you transition from work to home? And one of the things she had told me, I'll never forget was, you know, as soon as I get home, I change my clothes. She's like, I go upstairs. I change. I don't stay in my work clothes. And she's like, it helps my mind shift to family time. And I've really been trying to work on doing that. Music is a huge form of self-care for me. I use music for everything. When I want to cry, I put on a song that's going to help me cry. When I want to laugh, I put on uplifting music. And I have a lot of amazing team members and colleagues where we send songs back and forth and songs of motivation and uplift and anger sometimes. And I really do believe that music can be a really powerful ally with emotions. And I use music a lot. Sometimes I need that praise music to just get me through the morning. And sometimes I need just something to bring some energy. But I really do. I really have a passion for using music in everyday life to kind of navigate you through. And that's, that's probably the biggest thing that I do most consistently for self-care while I'm trying to get better at work-life boundaries and all those other fun things. I love that. Yes. Self-care is so important. So thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much for being on the podcast today, for sharing more about what you do and what your incredible team does. Thank you so much and good luck with the rest of your episodes. Thank you for listening to another episode of Resilient and Real. Did you know we're an award-winning podcast? That's right. We received an achievement award from the National Association of Counties for this podcast. So thank you so much to everybody for supporting and for listening to the podcast. If you're not already subscribed, be sure to subscribe so that way you can be notified when the new episodes drop. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast too. Plus, be sure to follow us on social media to stay updated on all things DBH. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you have any questions or would like to provide any feedback about the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us. Our email is dbh-publicrelations at dbh.svcounty.gov. Until next time, remember to live life resilient and real.